This is Illinois in Focus, powered by thecentersquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Coming up, we'll look ahead to some of the big bills the governor has yet to act on and get commentary from the Center Square publisher Chris Krug and executive editor Dan McCaleb about the Reproductive Health Act, the proposed progressive income tax amendment, and more. That's ahead with Illinois in Focus, powered by thecentersquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Hi, this is Chris Krug, publisher of The Center Square. Our team produces the nationally read and recognized news stories at thecentersquare.com, the country's fastest-growing, nonprofit, nonpartisan, state-focused news and information site. We deliver essential Illinois news and information with a taxpayer sensibility through reporting that's easy to understand and easy to share with your friends and family. We know that you want to get a quick update on what's happening at the state capitol in Springfield and across the state. Our team writes short, impactful stories that help all Illinoisans understand what's going on in their home state. We know that you need information that allows you to understand what the governor and your local legislators are doing. Our team covers government and the activity of elected officials so you can make sense of how their activity affects you and your family and your future here in Illinois. We know Illinois because we live in Illinois. Get the news that you need to know at thecentersquare.com. That's thecentersquare.com. Thecentersquare.com. This is Illinois in Focus, powered by thecentersquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Here are some of the top stories from the past week. Abortion is now a fundamental right in Illinois, but opponents of the Reproductive Health Act say that it repeals a number of important safety prohibitions and regulations that put mothers and the unborn at risk. Governor J.B. Pritzker signed the Reproductive Health Act Wednesday in Chicago. He said Illinois is now a beacon for the rest of the country. Our laws will now reflect the rulings of the courts and the current practices in our state. And the Reproductive Health Act ensures that women's rights in Illinois do not hinge on the fate of Roe v. Wade or the whims of an increasingly conservative Supreme Court in Washington. During floor debates before the bill passed last month, Republican State Representative Avery Bourne, who's weeks away from giving birth, led the opposition. She said in a statement Wednesday, the measure is a massive expansion of late-term abortions. Proponents say that's not true and the law codifies existing practices. But Bourne said the bill removes any rights for unborn babies, which is, quote, out of step with the beliefs of a majority of Illinoisans. Bourne said the signing of the bill is a win for the abortion industry. But the abortion rights movement isn't stopping there. Personal PAC board president Melissa Wyden said there's more work to do. As a mother, I am very grateful that my two teenage daughters live in a state that recognizes and respects their rights to make decisions about their bodies. And now I look forward to working with the governor and our pro-choice leaders in the, st- in the Senate and the House to pass the next important bill, and that's to repeal the dangerous parental notice of abortion law. A bill to repeal the state's parental notice requirement remains in a Senate committee. Illinois is the only state in America that has yet to release its official report for fiscal year 2018's financial numbers. Officials don't know when it's going to be released either. 
Cole Lauterbach has that story. Every state, most cities, and other forms of government must have a comprehensive annual financial report, or CAFR, that's done as a way not for only citizens to better understand their local government finances, but also to give officials a better idea of how to make the next budget. Illinois is often one of the last states to finish its CAFR, and this year, state officials have yet to do it, making the report the latest since 2011. Bill Bergman with Truth and Accounting says lawmakers passing a budget without those figures leaves them to rely on other sources and estimates. Illinois is by far the latest state to distribute its comprehensive annual financial report. Bergman says the state's CAFR gives lawmakers valuable information when crafting a budget. We still don't know where we stand uh, on an a cruel basis. Illinois lawmakers crafted and passed the state's upcoming budget without that official report, something Bergman says should not have happened. And here we are doing budgeting without CAFRs, which is one issue all by itself. A spokesman with the Comptroller's office says it can't release the report until the Auditor General finishes its part of the process. The Auditor General's office for its part says it doesn't have a projected release date. I'm Cole Lauterbach. Meanwhile, in the past 10 years, since the end of the Great Recession, two charitable trusts says Illinois increased overall spending 11 percent, but its pension funding dropped from 54 percent funded in 2008 to 35 percent funded in 2016. The report also says higher education spending per student increased 32 percent, the largest of any state reviewed, but Pew says Illinois spending on K-12 education was down 22 percent per student since 2008. Moody's Investor Service says Illinois' budget set to begin July 1 will be the most beneficial for public schools. The budget increases K-12 funding by $375 million. Moody's also says the infrastructure plan is a credit positive for Illinois' local governments because they'll get funds for projects. However, the impact of expanded gambling and recreational cannabis is less certain. The rating agency said those revenue streams could be volatile. The contract the AFSCME union is looking to ratify with the state of Illinois would give workers 11.5% raises over four years. The State Journal Register reports the contract would also give workers a $2,500 stipend when the contract's ratified. The first contract in four years would also increase how much workers pay for insurance. New polling shows Illinois' proposed progressive income tax ballot initiative may be off to a rocky start in terms of public opinion. Cole Lauterbach has that story. A We Ask America poll of 800 likely Illinois voters shows support for changing the state's flat income tax to one that would allow lawmakers to tax higher earners higher percentages was 51% of the last days of May. While 51% would be enough for the measure to succeed in November of next year, it's dropped 8 percentage points since February. Governor J.B. Pritzker told the Daily Herald that groups like Ideas Illinois, who funded the poll, are spreading misinformation about what his income tax proposal would do. They keep trying to come up with you know, words to uh, make it seem like something it's not. Ideas Illinois spokesman Jason Hefley says their blank check messaging is a better description. Only a, uh, a Springfield politician would try to convince uh, middle class families that opening the tax code is not a blank check. A group with ties to Pritzker has spent five million dollars to promote the amendment. Ideas Illinois, a nonprofit run by leaders from the business community, say a poll it commissioned in late May shows support for scrapping the Illinois Constitution's flat income tax provision has dropped to 51%. While that's all Prisker would need from voters in November of 2020 to enact the change, not every voter will vote for the measure. Ideas Illinois spokesman Jason Hefley said they advertised in the Champaign-Urbana area and found the support for the ballot initiative fell significantly. It's going to be very hard uh, for Governor Prisker and Speaker Madigan uh, to convince Illinois families to give them a blank check 
with their hard-earned tax dollars. Pritzker says Ideas Illinois and others are mischaracterizing their proposal. It really is a crazy notion um, that they're putting forward and an untrue notion. I'm Cole Lauterbach. The owner of a couple of medical cannabis dispensaries says there's likely to be hundreds of jobs created even before the adult use recreational bill is in full effect. Governor J.B. Pritzker has yet to sign that measure, but when he does, HCI Alternatives owner Chris Stone expects 15 to 20 new customer service jobs for his operations and even more for cultivators. Anything from cultivation you know, managers, meaning uh, veg managers, flowering managers, trimmers, extraction, uh, production packaging. And that probably won't wait for the adult use program as another bill expanding and making the medical pilot program permanent could also be soon signed by the governor. So I think you're going to see probably increases between now and the end of the year with regard to the the expansion of the medical program as well, trying to accommodate for that. So you got kind of two programs that are going to see, you know, some really good growth here. Additional jobs are expected once the state opens up more cultivation, dispensary, and cannabis transportation licenses, something that will be based off a demand study that's part of the adult use measure pending the governor's signature. The measure for legalized recreational cannabis gives local governments control over whether they'd allow recreational sales in their jurisdiction. Stone says that if a city doesn't allow them to have retail sales, then that city will miss out on new jobs. If they decide that they don't want a green light us to be able to do a, um, an adult use uh, secondary license and adult use at our current uh, licensed facilities, uh, then we're going to have to look elsewhere and then, and then we're going to have to get the state involved with respect to getting a variance to look elsewhere. Stone said the 15 to 20 jobs he's looking to add at his dispensaries in Springfield and Collinsville would start at $14 an hour with benefits and training. He said he expects existing cultivation sites that be first to offer up adult use cannabis for sale would need to double the numbers to meet the demand for recreational marijuana. It's directly to the Illinois Supreme Court with a case challenging Illinois' firearm owner identification or FOID card. Illinois State Rifle Association Executive Director Richard Pearson said the case out of White County involves a disabled woman who had a single-shot 22 caliber rifle without a FOID card. And the judge in White County said the FOID card is unconstitutional in the home. And so uh, that's where we stand today. And, of course, the state of Illinois uh, doesn't agree with that. Pearson said a White County judge said it's unconstitutional to require a FOID card. To have a gun in your own home. Are you prohibited if you don't have a FOID card? The judge says, I don't think so. She didn't do a thing wrong except want to defend her own life. The case bypasses the appellate court because it deals with constitutional rights, Pearson said. If the state Supreme Court agrees with the White County judge, he said that it means you can keep a firearm in the home without a FOID card. The problem, of course, is you'd have to transport it to and from, and that is not covered in this case, so you'd still need a FOID card. Pearson doesn't expect the case to be heard until at least October, if not later. And if the Illinois Supreme Court shoots down the White's County Court ruling, Pearson said his group's ready to go to the nation's highest court. It's a constitutional right. It's a fundamental right. And they can't, I, I'm saying that, you know, uh, there's some things about fundamental rights. You can't make them so restrictive. You can't, you can't uh, do this. In court filings, the Illinois Attorney General's office said FOID is meaningful regulation permitted under the Second Amendment. Those are the top stories of the past week for Illinois. For more online, visit thecentersquare.com. Coming up for Illinois in Focus, commentary from the Center Square publisher Chris Krug and executive editor Dan McCaleb. This is Illinois in Focus, powered by thecentersquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop.
Hello, everyone, and welcome to Illinois in Focus, powered by thecentersquare.com. You've entered the Crosstalk segment. I'm Chris Krug, publisher of The Center Square in Illinois, and I'm joined today by the executive editor of The Center Square, Mr. Dan McCaleb. Danny, how are you? Doing well, Chris. Feeling much better uh, this week than I did last, and ready to talk some Illinois politics and policies. I'm glad you're well, because there's no there's no time for a summer cold, you know, this year. Because there's been enough winter and enough illness and whatnot. It's time to move on, man. Right. Particularly since I've got Dead and Company uh, uh, on Saturday night. Yeah, you got to be you got to be healthy for that. I'm, I'm now I'm more worried about you than before you told me you were well. Uh, hey, we got news to talk about, and, and lots of it. Uh, the, the General Assembly wrapped up shop on the 31st of May, kind of, sort of, went into overtime. We're now dealing with some residual things. And one of, the, one of the biggest pieces of news to come out of the state of Illinois this calendar year is Governor J.B. Pritzker signing the Reproductive Health Act on Wednesday, which effectively makes Illinois' laws on abortion the most liberal uh, in all aspects of that word in the United States. Um, let's get down to it, Dan. What, what's in this act? Why does it matter? Why should people in Illinois care? The stated purpose of the act um, by the supporters, mainly Democrats, was that in the event of the more conservative U.S. Supreme Court were to overturn Roe v. Wade, there's no evidence that they will, but there's no doubt the Supreme Court at some point in time in the near future, could be just a few years, um, will be asked to revisit Roe v. Wade. In the event the Supreme Court overturns that, Illinois will be clearly on record and in law a, a pro-abortion rights state. Um, so that's the stated purpose of it. Republicans and critics of the law are concerned that it essentially does away with uh, with any restrictions when it comes to abortions, for example, late-term abortions, um, uh, parental notice uh, requirements for uh, uh, underage individuals who are pregnant, those kinds of things. So um, it's interesting. It does make Illinois at this point uh, essentially the least restrictive, the most liberal state when it comes to abortion rights. Um, but this thing's going to come up to a head at some point in the future with, with you, you've got other states, particularly southern states, going in a complete opposite direction, putting more uh, restrictions on abortion rights. One way or another, the Supreme Court's going to have to decide this. Yeah, I don't think that there's any – I agree with you on that. I don't think that there's, there's, there's any stop to the merry-go-round until this gets to the Supreme Court. I would absolutely wager whatever it is that you would like to wager that – Virtually all states will have a point of view on abortion within their state, uh, whether that's to tighten the rules, perhaps leave the rules alone, or to loosen the rules, and it will force the Supreme the Supreme Court's hand. I, I don't I don't see that this coming out any other way. It's such a divisive issue. There are plenty of folks on both sides who are extremely passionate that their position is right. And, you know, when this does come to the, does get to the U.S. Supreme Court, there's going to be a lot of friction and a lot of tension. So um, it'll be interesting uh, to follow. 
Yeah, without a, without question, and, and just talking to, to people I know across the political spectrum, uh, either relieved or pleased or disgusted. And to be honest with you, anybody who's paying attention to the issue, uh, I would think falls really into those two camps at this point. Um, something else I wanted to talk to you about with regard to uh, the polls uh, are going to start to come fast and furious uh, as we head toward a 2020 vote on the progressive tax proposal here in Illinois. Um, we received data from a poll that came out this week. It was a We, we Ask America poll of 800 likely Illinois voters. Um, basically what they, what they thought, whether they thought there would be enough uh, support for it to pass or not to pass. You need 60% uh, voters in this referendum to make this happen. Uh, the poll came in at about 51%. What's your take on the, on the, the poll itself? I, I know you don't know about the methodology. At this point in time, I don't think anybody really has a, a clear understanding of the methodology. Uh, it's an early poll. Is there anything to be extracted from it by Illinoisans? Well, yes, I, th I, I think um, it means that there's no guarantees that the progressive uh, income tax uh, constitutional amendment is going to pass. But it's also we're 16 months away from when voters are going to be asked to decide in November 2020. Um, whether to change the constitution to allow for a, pro a progressive tax, which would allow for higher rates for higher uh, wage earners. Um, and there's going to be so much information, so much misinformation, um, so much propaganda put out between now and then. Not to mention that there's that the, that's the next presidential election, and that's going to be divisive, and that's going to draw uh, people to the polls. I think it's, it's really too early to say one way or another what's going to happen. There's going to be dozens of polls between now and then. Uh, tens of millions of dollars in um, campaign money is going to be spent on this. This is Governor Pritzker's signature issue, uh, changing the Constitution to allow for a progressive tax. Um, but there are plenty of others on the other side, job creators in particular, who are going to be impacted by this, um, who say it would be a, a huge negative um, for the state if this were to happen. Yeah, I, I just, I, I guess I just take all these polls with, with you know, sort of with a grain of salt at this point. Um, I, I, but I, I think that, that you know, that you're, you're right. I mean, it's, it's really more about uh, if the polls prompt people to get to understand the issue and to see their perspective in that issue, and then ultimately to go to the ballot box and vote as they see this issue, um, that would be a good thing. Um, my, my one main message um, to listeners, to taxpayers, to voters in Illinois, and again, there's 16 months to, to learn about this. But my one key takeaway is if voters do allow uh, or do vote in favor of changing the Constitution to allow for progressive income tax, yes, Governor Pritzker's rates right now would only raise uh, taxes in the top 3% wage earners, but the legislature could change those rates at any time. Do you trust Speaker Michael Madigan, uh, Senate President John Carton? Do you trust them 
to keep their word and not raise those rates on the middle class any further, given their spending priorities. Uh, they just passed the most expensive budget in state history, and they haven't accomplished all they want to accomplish. So do, should voters trust them uh, with the rates that they're pitching right now? It's a terrific rhetorical question, and I think it might be answered simply in this next segment. <laughs> Part of the, uh, the budget itself uh, that was just passed included some language that was slipped in that I do not believe through the reporting that we've done, you know, over the past six months, at any time was brought forward in any meaningful way. But within the budget that was just passed was language that now allows school districts and, and teachers who are about to retire to effectively spike their pensions. Uh, this was something that where a limitation was in place before where the number was capped at 3%. And I believe it was for three years. Could be correct me if I'm wrong. Is are, are my is are my numbers correct on that? Uh, four years. Excuse me, four years. Three percent increases on top of each other. That number is now increased to six percent over four years. And from a percentage standpoint, what you're really talking about is a teacher who declares that they are going to retire. Uh, that between the fourth year and the final year of that period, their salary would be increased by 26.45% over the course of that time. They would then retire and receive the percentage of that as their pension amount. Yeah, um, because of the compounded nature of the, uh, of the pay raises. Yeah, of all the bad policies that were passed by this this uh, legislature in, in, in the 2019 session, this one might, it might be the most infuriating. Um, our, the, the state's five public pension systems are underfunded by a conservative estimate of $135 billion. That's 600%, uh, uh, 600 excuse me, 600% of the revenue that we bring in each year. And they, they should have been addressing that by uh, passing pension reform, or at least talking about pension reform to reduce those costs to taxpayers. Instead, they're going the, in the exact opposite direction, uh, essentially slapping taxpayers in the face yet again by allowing this further pension spiking. It's going to increase costs on taxpayers. It's going to more, more likely than not increase that pension debt. Um, it, it, there's like no end, end in sight to, to this this very real um, crisis. Yeah, it's it's really it's it's it, it's confounding, and um, you know it's uh, it's effectively a, a acquiescence uh, to the Illinois Education Association. Uh, it's money that we do not have. Uh, it's more money that is going to be requested from taxpayers. It's going to result in in higher taxes. And until there's some reform that's created, it's going to increase the deficit. I mean, it's just as, it's just as simple as that. Aside from that, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a, as you, you just said, it, it's a complete cave to the teachers union. Um, the teachers union who supports with their, with their money, um, which you, with union members' money that supports these politicians, it's it's a it's an endless vicious cycle um, that does not take taxpayers' 
best interests uh, uh, does not keep their interests in mind. We got time for one last thing. I mean, if we can't be if we can't be teachers at this point of our careers and you know make the kind of money that um, you know that uh, our moms and dads had hoped we would make someday, maybe we can get into the uh, legal weed industry. It, it looks like that uh, business segment is uh, which is not set to come online until January first is starting to ramp up uh, ahead of the anticipation of uh, licenses being issued and uh, people are bringing people in. So there's actually some workforce movement and uh, some new jobs being created. Did I mention up top that I'm going to see uh, Dead & Company this Saturday? Really? <laughs> I, I think you did. And uh, Not that the two issues or th two topics are related in any way. No, no. I, I, I would say that they're probably not at all related. Uh, <laughs> but no, you're right. Yeah, uh, now that... Uh, 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 recreational marijuana has been legalized um, in Illinois to go into effect January 1st, 2020. I think that's still a bit aggressive. I think there's a lot of things that need to be worked around, uh, worked out uh, before then. But um, um, yeah, the industry is going to create uh, thousands of jobs. I saw an estimate, uh, I think, in one of our stories at uh, uh, the centersquare.com that in Colorado, when Colorado first legalized recreational marijuana, 18,000 jobs were created in that uh, first year. So that's 18,000, you know, people paying income tax and spending money, uh, at, you know, local retail outlets. And so, um, uh, yeah, it, it will be a positive for the economy, I think regardless of how, where you stand on, you know, on legal weed and, and, and whether you think, uh, it, you know, it's, it's bad for society um, or not, there's no doubt it's going to benefit the economy. Well, I stand close enough to get a contact high. So that's where I stand. <laughs> I imagine I might get one of those on Saturday. I think you're probably right. And enjoy the show. Uh, Dan, it's always a pleasure to talk with you. And uh, thanks for your insights. As always, enjoy it. Talk to you next week. For Dan McCaleb, executive editor of the Center Square, Illinois, this has been Chris Krug, publisher of the Center Square. And now over to Greg Bishop with a look at what we're working on next week. Next week, Governor J.B. Pritzker could act on several big pieces of legislation lawmakers have sent his way, including doubling the gas tax for infrastructure, legalizing sports betting, and increasing cigarette taxes by a dollar a pack for other public works projects, legalizing adult-use cannabis, and more. Center Square, Illinois will be there to bring you the latest on these and other stories impacting you in your backyard. This has been Illinois in Focus. Find more Illinois stories and commentary online at thecentersquare.com. For the Center Square, Illinois, I'm Greg Bishop.